Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Soulfully Casual. Um, it's been a while, it's been over a month, and to any you know my loyal listeners out there, I do apologize. Um, you know, things in life just got a little heavy, they got a little hectic, and sometimes you've got to put some things on the back burner, you know, in order to deal with it. But first, I want to remind you that if you have not listened to the show before, that there is an email address for the show, and that is soulfully.casual at gmail.com. And we also have an Instagram feed, soulfullycasual. Uh, check both of those out, especially the email. I want you to write in. Um, I'd love to hear from you know any of my listeners, especially in you know saying good things, bad things, and also anything you want me to talk about. Um, you can also hear my voice on some other projects as well. Um, I've, I've told you before that you know my friend Cleveland, he is the host of the Manual. Uh, he, like myself, took a little bit of a hiatus from recording, but he is back now. So check him out. He and I both co-host a show called The Deep. And we, again, took a hiatus and have come back to that recently. He and his friend Dave are also co-hosting a football podcast called Political Football. And that's not only breaking down games each week, but there's also a little bit of a political tinge to it because real life is creeping into everything. You know, you're going to hear that there. They were gracious enough to let me co-host with them this week. It went really well, so you might hear my voice again. And again, for those listening, I'm Matty Ice, and I'm the host of this show. So, what's been happening in my life? Well... You know, the pandemic has been raging. We're sitting here on eight months of it, just about. And I had a son back in March, as most of you know. We had not visited my side of the family. And my brother, you know, all of my in-laws, actually, brother-in-law, mother-in-law, uh, father-in-law, all live here in town with us. And we get to see them quite often. We were very, very fortunate that they help us out in taking care of our son while we are working at home during these times. Um, I can't thank them enough for all the help and support that they've given us. But unfortunately, my side of the family lives in New England and we don't get to see them very often, and we have not been able to see them since my son was born. My wife and I had originally planned to go in August, uh, but we weren't really enamored with the COVID numbers we were seeing, so we decided to bump it uh, a month into the future to September, and we ended up going. And I think it's important uh, to recognize that, you know, each situation, there were a couple sets of people that we were seeing, and each came with different circumstances, at least emotionally, for me personally. And when you go into a a visit with, with family, Sometimes you have expectations of what's going to happen, um, especially if there has been a large gap between the time you've seen them and so forth. And that was the case here. Needless to say, uh, there were some things that happened that made the visit less than uh, successful in my view. And I think that's because my expectations might have been a little too lofty. I think most of the onus comes on me. I had put away some things emotionally in boxes a long time ago, thinking I really didn't have to worry about them anymore. And unfortunately, you know, in life, you can't always do that. And this time around, uh, some of those boxes were open. And, you know, with those openings, sometimes wounds are reopened as well. And I think that happened here. And like I said, you know, the trip was good in the sense that, you know, my son got to meet family that he has not gotten to meet at this point. And it was really important that we did that because what I didn't want is for him to get older and older. And, you know, things change so much in this time. You know, he's seven months old now, close to eight months. And everything changes on a daily basis, weekly basis. So when months and months and months go by, you know, he's a fundamentally different baby than he was when we brought him home. And so I was glad that, you know, those those folks got to meet him because they got to see him in a really good stage right now where he's interactive, he's making noises, and, and it's really fun. But I think after all the driving, both there and back, just not being in your own home, not being in your own bed around your own things, Uh, And then all of that on top of it, you know, with what happened on the trip, I came home not really feeling like myself. I felt physically ill. You know, I had chills, or at least I felt like my body temperature couldn't seem to regulate itself. Uh, I had a headache, but I had nothing else. And I was, you know, scared that I had COVID. And I think in today's world, that's pretty normal. 
because we we don't know a lot about what's going on. We know that it's spreading cra like crazy. We know that it's contagious, but we don't really know, you know, when we have it. And, you know, if you don't necessarily have multiple symptoms, it's really difficult to get a test sometimes. So add that anxiety on top of everything that was going on. And I just felt like, you know, maybe I was getting sick. And a few days of that went by, a few days of me being just sort of not myself, um, feeling like I was getting sick, feeling like I w was sick. And my wife all of a sudden looked at me and she said, you know, I don't think that you're sick. I know that you don't have COVID, but I do think that you are stressed and you're depressed. And it really hit me because she was very blunt about it. And it was something that I really hadn't considered. You know, I thought that, okay, the trip didn't go that great in my eyes. You know, it was my fault because the expectations were too high. And I just thought that that was it. But when I really, really started to think about it, when she hit me with that and just sort of left me with it, you know, she didn't say anything else besides that. She was very uh, open and, and upfront with me, which I think is a good thing. Anybody who is, is married or has a long-term partner, that's what you want. You want somebody to be truthful so that you can work through things yourself and together. And that led me to where was I going to go for a solution. And then it got me to thinking about this show. It had been a while since I had recorded. And when I had started recording this, it was something that felt like a dream come true because I'd wanted to do it for so long. And then it got me thinking, well, if I am going to get back to it, which would probably help my mental sanity, what am I going to talk about? And it really dawned on me at that point, this idea of help. You know, I just admitted to you that I have mental struggles. I've, I've gone through them for, for quite a while, almost the majority of this pandemic, to be honest. I think a lot of it got triggered by the birth of my son and not because I wasn't excited about it, but because it's a ginormous change. And I think my life, you know, growing up was very structured um, and I was always sort of on edge about, you know, doing something wrong that would throw, you know, the, the, the world around me into chaos. And I think I've lived my life that way for so long that something that was as big of a change that I wanted, I think, just triggered that. And it was a it was a huge thing. I've, I've talked about having that mental breakdown back in June, right at the beginning of the summer. And I think that that was a good thing overall because, again, it spurred me to get help. But when I thought about help, it got me to thinking about so many different things. Um, this country right now is going through more than just this pandemic. And the pandemic alone is enough to you know, steal headlines and be talked about for, for months and months and months because it's real and it's taken people's lives. And no matter how you feel about that politically, that isn't that's not disputable you know people have died and the number you, you might be able to dispute but the fact that people have died because of it and families have had to go through the loss of a loved one sometimes without ever seeing them those are real those are real circumstances and at this point we are looking for help the country is looking for help earlier in the year when the george floyd incident happened and there's been other incidents incidences since black people are looking for help they're looking for help Right now, for me, personally, I was looking for help too. And thankfully, I have an avenue for that because I had already started you know, seeing a, a therapist, but not everybody has that. But it got me to thinking that at some point in our lifetime, everybody needs help, whether it's one person, whether it's a family, or whether it's a collective group of you know, individuals in this country. We all need help at some point. And what do we do when we need help? Because it's kind of unrealistic to think that we can fix everything ourselves. Uh, anybody who's gone through mental struggles knows that it's sometimes nearly impossible to fix things yourself because it's so easy for, for those of us um, to get lost, you know, in those feelings, to get lost in anxiety, lost in depression, um, you know, just, just lost in general sadness sometimes because that's where your mind gravitates toward. And there is different things in life that trigger it, um, and sometimes they trigger it more than others. You know, the, the times where it's less severe, we can work through some things, but, you know, a good majority of the time we need some help. And sometimes that help 
you know, comes has to come from somebody who's, you know, not in your close-knit circle. Because, you know, asking family to help you every time is, it sometimes isn't, isn't really realistic. Because, you know, somebody who hasn't gone through mental struggles, uh, who may have grown up in a time when, you know, mental struggles and mental illness was something that was considered a taboo that you didn't talk about, is it really realistic to ask them to not only understand it, but also help you to fix it? And I would say no. And that's where, you know, medicine comes in. And not everybody has access to that. But it got me thinking, like I said, about needing help. And who do we look to? A lot of times we are looking for somebody or a group of somebodies to help us. And for me, that, that group of somebodies are mental health professionals. And that's a relatively easy thing to get you know, in my stage in life. Um, I'm very thankful for that. But overall in this country, as the pandemic is concerned, there are millions of people looking for leaders. Millions of minorities are looking for leaders too because their lives are being taken at a different rate when it comes to you know, police interactions and other things are happening with that as well, not just lives being taken, uh, but being treated differently. You know, systemic issues that are seen across the board or sometimes are subtle you know, across the board. And people are looking for leaders, they're looking for people to help. And I would ask you right now, who are those leaders? Because I know that personally when it comes to the pandemic, I don't feel like I have anybody to, to look to that can lead me in the right direction. Every day is a different set of circumstances, a different set of data, and I'm just sort of left to my own devices to figure out what I'm supposed to do in my life. Even just yesterday, my wife and I were thinking, at what point can we take our son to stores? And I just said, without really knowing concretely what the heck is going on with individual people that are around you, wearing masks or not, is it really worth the risk to take him into like a Hobby Lobby, for instance? And collectively, we have to answer that question because there are really any leaders who can collectively answer that for us. You know, the, the leader of the free world right now who had COVID is telling you that it's not a big deal and to just continue to live your life while families, again, are being torn apart because of losses because of long-term effects of this and that's a little alarming to me but you know the situation can also help dictate your actions it can really help you know dictate what kind of help and I think about it too when it comes to people asking you for help you know their situations sometimes warrant what you're willing to do um, in, in those things and one of the situations that I came across recently was addiction and that's a really tough one because asking for help in that regard is really difficult for somebody who feels or is addicted to something and it doesn't have to be alcohol drugs it could be anything anything that is you're addicted to that's debilitating and you know changing the, the the rest of your life you know where you're not working your relationships are changing and I think to myself is there a limit to that self-inflicted damage sometimes is is really difficult to, to you want to help somebody because you think to yourself how much more damage can this person do upon themselves before they just have to figure it out themselves and I just remember thinking on this last trip saying to to people that I cared about you know, I think you need help. I want you to get help. Because I think in my mind, I realized that I couldn't be that person to help. I can love, I can support, I can want them to get better. But there's really not much that I can do. Because in order to truly help themselves, that will has to come from inside. Anybody who's really wanting help, they have to want it themselves. Or they have to believe that they want it. And I wonder to myself, how do we handle that? What's the expectation for other people, you know, to help? We've seen interventions, you know, when it comes to addiction, we've seen other things, tough love. But it's really difficult sometimes because the person who you're looking to is somebody that you really care about. And it's somebody that you have invested emotionally in for, you know, different reasons, whether they're a parent, a sibling, a best friend, you know, whatever. It's really hard to watch because 
You want to believe that this person is capable of keeping it in check. You want to believe that this person is capable of fixing it. But you know, if you've ever dealt with it, that it's really difficult to assume that because most people who deal with some type of an addiction can't. It's chemically impossible for them to do it. And that got me wondering if perhaps I've not done enough to help people over the course of my lifetime. Have I assumed that people are stronger than they are? Have I been too difficult on people when they've gone through their times of struggle? Have I wanted them to just be stronger because there have been times in my life when I've just had to be stronger? I've not been able to get somebody who can help me. And that's really tough for me because it adds on to the mental pressure that I put on myself already. You know, I already spend a lot of time thinking that I'm not doing enough. That's what's made parenting hard for me. Feeling like I'm putting so much burden on my wife who I feel like already has a ton of it to begin with. The second you get home from the hospital, all of the burden is on mom feeding, nursing, changing diapers. Mom guilt is real, and it's a part of a struggle that comes with being a mother that is something that I don't think is talked about enough. But then there's me, who I truly want to contribute. I know it's always a joke or a, um, a stereotype that husbands are just aloof, and they're not even a part of their children's lives because of that old, old mentality that women take care of the children and men do whatever. And I think that's a bunch of horse shit. But I truly want to help. I never want to feel like I'm putting the burden on my wife or, or anybody else. And there's a lot of times that I overcompensate and I put myself in a weird mental place because I'm so anxious about whether I'm doing enough. And that is self-inflicted pain for me. That's not an addiction, but it's self-inflicted. And it's really only something that I can do something about. If I mess up one thing, is that really the end of the world? Do I have to go and try to be perfect in the next 25 things that I'm, I'm doing? No, I don't. And I have to look to myself for that help. I have to look for, to myself to be a leader because it's unrealistic to think that somebody else could handle that. Admitting that that's something that I need to work on was, was really tough. And I recognize when it's happening and it's, it's really hard. But yeah, do you have a limit to what you'll give? Should we have limits to what we give? Is it fair to say that we're done helping somebody when you've continually tried to help and help and help and they continue to stumble? Even though you know it's not something that they can really control. I think about, we used to joke in college about, you know, women that would always gravitate toward the same guys, get the same result, and then wonder what, what was wrong with them. So where does that really bring us at this point? I'm sure that's right now, if you're listening to this, you can think of one, two, three, maybe multiple people, more than five that need help, have asked you for help, or that you can offer help. And have you reached out? Have you done something? Have you tried? I bet you the answer to that is yes. I think most people are inclined to want to help. I, I, I don't think that they're, everybody is just so selfish these days that they're not willing to, to help their fellow man or woman. And if you feel like helping somebody is, is tied up in your political agenda, then I think you need to rethink not only your political agenda, but your idea of human decency. Because helping people should not be related to whatever they can do for you politically or whether they align with you politically. They're a human being in need of some assistance, some help. Help. It's the easiest thing to do sometimes. It's the most difficult thing to do in others. And sometimes not helping is actually help, right? That's actually doing somebody a solid. It's a positive interaction to the point where they just need somebody to not keep helping them. And we've all encountered that too. At the end of the day, there's just only so much that we can do, but I think we need to try. I think in today's world, when so many people are, are suffering for different reasons, struggling for different reasons, I think it's really important that we at least make an attempt. But it makes me think of my favorite comedian, who I'm not even sure if he could survive in today's um, politically correct world, because 
stand-up comedy has evolved to the point where I'm not even sure what's in bounds anymore. But George Carlin used to talk about self-help books, people who were striving for self-help, because there was a time where it was a really big industry. Writing books, publishing books that had to do with helping yourself, self-help, getting help, all that kind of stuff. Because I think that was the precipice of really the recognition of, of mental health struggles. And I think we finally turned a corner to the point where it is not only recognized, but sort of accepted as being something that's well within the bounds of normalcy for most people. It's not a stigma, and it's something that we have to recognize so that we can get people the right help to fix it. But his joke used to be with self-help books. If you need a book for help... It's not self-help, it's just help. While that was a joke and it was sort of deprecating toward the idea of self-help within a book, the larger point that he made I thought was, was a really good one. And it's something to really think about as we end this episode. If you're motivated enough to go to the store to buy a book about help, do you really need it? I think you're pretty motivated to want to help yourself. So maybe take that motivation in buying the book and put it toward the energy to fix things. Put it toward the energy to get that help because I think a book is just one step. It's a multitude of steps. It's a layered approach. So if you've ever thought about buying a self-help book because you're not really sure where to start, give yourself the credit for taking those steps because when it comes to helping somebody, helping yourself, it's the little things that matter, the baby steps that we take. Take credit for those milestones. They're important because if we're always just focused on the bigger picture, we're not really going to recognize how significant those little steps are along the way that was something that i learned during weight loss that okay i only dropped a pound this week and that's down significantly from what i had but it's a step it's a step in the right direction and we need to celebrate those and that just doesn't relate to getting help think about it in life too are there things that you struggle with i struggle with making appointments because i have anxiety over making phone calls to strangers so when my son was born and I took the, the lead to put him on my health insurance and set him up with our doctor and make appointments, that's a huge step. It's not a huge step for a lot of other people. My wife can call anybody, make an appointment at anybody, and good for her. She's in the majority when it comes to that stuff. I realize that I'm in the minority, but for me to do all of that was a big step. And it's something that I recognize as momentum for going forward. So if you're listening, take credit for the small stuff. Use them as stepping stones to bigger things because you have the ability to do it. No matter whether you're the person who needs help or you're the person people are asking for help, you can do it. So go ahead and give yourself a pat on the back and just keep moving forward. This is a little bit of a shorter episode than you're used to. It had been a while. I just wanted to get some things off my chest. But I really thank you for listening. I thank you for sticking with me over the month hiatus because I know that that's a long time when you're used to listening to a show every week and having to wait that long is unfair sometimes. So I apologize for that. I just want to remind you to write into the show. The email is soulfully.casual at gmail.com. The Instagram is soulfullycasual. Check out both of those. Interact with me. It's important. It keeps me on my toes. And it lets me know that people are listening. Your loyalty is appreciated. And I can't thank you enough for listening and sticking with me. I'm hopefully going to get back to a little bit more of a regular routine with this because it does make me happy. So uh, once again, I'm Matty Ice. This is Soulfully Casual. Thank you for listening, and I will see you down the road.